I kind of want to just text Tiffany and be like, hey, can you go slap Dwight or throw something at him? Hello and welcome to No Refunds. My name is Dwight and joining me this week is... Alex. And that's all because unfortunately Tiffany will not be joining us today because she just doesn't want to, which is a very fair and legitimate reason. Um, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. It is. If you don't want to do something, you don't have to do it. Yeah, that, that's something we talked about on last uh last episode it exactly is actually it's very she was even bringing that up today where she was like it's just i'm not in a mental space i don't want to do it today yeah. i'm just going to take some time to myself and she's doing some um uh diamond painting right now just to Ooh. help ease her mind which is That's cool very cool i think yeah i'm excited for it to see the finished product it's sunflowers so that'll Ooh. be nice but uh we wanted to do a deep dive today because it's been a little while since we've done one and um the Mandalorian, uh, Star Wars, uh, it's on Disney Plus. It uh, is Dave Fiolini and um, John Favreau's kind of little brainchild. Uh, just finished airing its second season um, very recently. And so we are going to bring in a ringer for this one. Is, is he a ringer? Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't call him a ringer. I, I, I don't think I would. If we were talking Lord of the Rings, I think it would be a ringer. Uh, no, I think I'm the Lord of the Rings ringer. Game of Thrones? Uh, I had Harry Potter. He's the Harry ringer Potter. on Harry Potter. There we go, He's, Harry Potter. I, I'd put him in as my Harry Potter ringer. I don't know, maybe like just YA would be his like ringer thing. Uh, because I, I, man, we're going really off the rails. We are. I, Lord, Star Wars is definitely not his ringer. Like he's not a ringer. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so long time uh, writer inner, uh, Peter, why don't you go ahead and say hello? Hello world. That's Peter. You've heard him write in a thousand million times and it's been fantastic. And we can't thank you enough for being here today because this is going to be Happy to be one. here. It's what season is it now? Season five? Yes, we are. This is the... Okay, so I think this is technically going to be the first season of our first episode of season five because we haven't released our top five things, but I'm still going to call that season four. Uh, top five things of 2020. I'm still going to call that season four because it's the season four finale. Ooh, um, and this okay. is the premiere. So thanks right. for, for kicking off the season on a strong foot. Season five, we're down to the B listers now. When's Carrot Top coming on? <laughs> uh, Whoa, Carrot Top's an A-lister. Yeah, so. if, we could, if we could get Carrot Top to come on our podcast and do prop comedy on an audio podcast, that would be making it. That would I'm, be I'm into it. I'm into it. So, um, as Peter knows, and he's already uh, prepared this, uh, one of the things we ask our new guests to do is, our guests in general, I think, is to um, give us a top five of our most recent top five. And since we had a top five in our last top five episode, which was last episode, uh, the top five has changed. But Peter didn't know that, so he prepared a top five for a different top five. You have said five. top five way too many fucking times. I'm aware. It is it is aggressive, and I just want to make it clear. I didn't not do it on purpose. Oh, okay. Peter, what did you uh, prepare for your top five? 
All right, so I actually went all the way back to, I believe it was episode 50, which was top five TV shows. That sounds right. That does sound right. Okay, and I don't really do favorites. That's not really a thing that I do. So instead, I just prepared five TV shows that I have watched in my life. (laughs) I love it. Um, Not not necessarily favorite ones, but maybe ones that haven't been discussed here yet. I hope he picked ones that he fucking hates, but he's watched all the way through. I have watched this show. Yeah. I, I sat through this whole thing. Let's go. Yeah, let's start. So uh, way back, middle school, high school age, um, the Hallmark Channel would show this particular show for two to three hours every weekday. And I would sit and watch it as I did homework. Uh, and the show was MASH. Mm. Oh, MASH was a 1970s sitcom, right? Uh, mm-hmm. MASH stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. So this is a unit that the Army had back in the Korean War. Um, soldiers would get shot. They would ship them to this unit, and they would have surgery done to them in a tent, basically. Pretty intense subject area. So for some <laughs> reason, this was a laugh track sitcom, which you think – you know, pitching this idea that this this is never going to work, but it was really popular. It went on for eleven seasons, two hundred and fifty six episodes. I, I know one of the big stats on that show is it lasted longer than the war it was depicting in the show, which is just a funny thing in general. I think. Yeah, that's that, a great little factoid. That is a show that I have never seen in its entirety, but I've seen a bunch of episodes of it. Well, the great thing was Hallmark showed the episodes in order. So I was able to see the entire series from start to finish several times over the course of my middle school career. You know, when, when you prefaced this by saying Hallmark Channel, I was expecting some sort of really dog shit show to come out of your mouth. I don't know why I was expecting Seventh Heaven. Like, I don't know why that was the one I was expecting. I was expecting something in that vein, something that's like a teen uh like soap opera almost you know i I was thinking like one tree hill or something (laughs) but yeah that's a great show of what i've seen of it i haven't seen that many episodes of it all i remember is there's that one guy who's always trying to get himself kicked out of the unit and i remember one watching one episode where he literally eats an entire jeep like he like cuts parts of a jeep off and starts eating it um it was a weird one yeah (laughs) Oh, they're all pretty weird, yeah. But it's a classic show. Um, any young people listening, ask your parents or grandparents about it because I'm sure they watched it when they were growing up. What kind of young people listen to our podcast? I don't know. How, oh. how young do you think our youngest audience member is? Uh, That's a good question. 27. Uh, it depends. Um, uh, maybe... Maybe like 25. Okay. Maybe. I, I won't go younger than 25. Uh, like, that's the youngest. If you're younger than 25 and you're listening to this, stop it. <laughs> all right. Way to lose listeners, but. <laughs> all right. Um, Wait, I'm going to lose listeners? Impossible. How could I possibly lose listeners? We'd have to have listeners first. Yeah. People, people would have to listen to this to lose it. Go on, go yes, on to number, number two, two. Peter. All right, so also in high school, um, I became a big fan of The Simpsons. 
I don't think I need to introduce this one to everybody. Pretty well known. Um, it's still airing, actually. I have no idea how many seasons it's been through. I haven't watched it in more than a decade now because it mm. got really bad. But there's a golden era of Simpsons that is still great to go back and watch, especially now it's all on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Yeah, seasons like 3 through 10 of The Simpsons are just chef's have they, kiss. Have they fixed the aspect ratio problem on Disney Plus yet? I know that was like Don't a big so. hullabaloo because like they were literally cutting jokes off and stuff like that. Probably not a whole bunch of them, but it's still annoying. I mean, it certainly takes something away from your enjoyment of them, but um, no, I don't think Disney has any plans on fixing that. That's rough. Um, yeah, The Simpsons is one that I I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up, actually. It was one of those that was, it was too uh, inappropriate for my household, and I assume that was just mostly because of the whole, um, you know, like there was not a backlash against it, but like there was that it's for adults. It's, it's adult animation. Children should not be watching it. And so I, I only started watching it like probably once I was in late middle school, maybe, maybe even high school when I first started watching it. And I feel like I had already missed the good stuff at that point. Um, so I never really, like one of the first episodes I remember watching was like the, um, I think it was the 300th episode or whatever, whichever one Blink-182 was on. That was like Ooh. one of the ones that I like watched live because um, Blink-182 was on it. And I like Blink-182. Right. I um I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up either, but that didn't stop me. <laughs> yeah, no, same for me. Um, by high school, I'm sure my parents had just given up trying to protect me from the world. So it was like, all right, you can listen to this, you know, off-color jokes and all that kind of stuff. Right. My um, my dad was really into it, so I would just watch it with him. I'd just be like, "Hey, Dad, Mom said I can't watch it, but I really want to watch The Simpsons," and he'd be like, "Me too." So we'd watch it. That's the way to do it. Um, and one other side note, Simpsons is what led me into Futurama. Which, which is a superior about show. I'm still mad Futurama's off the air. Uh, from what I understand about The Simpsons, apparently the last like two to three seasons have been getting better. Um, that's just something I've heard. I, I haven't actually taken time out to explore that. But apparently it's maybe on the upswing, which is pretty cool for a 30 year old show or whatever yeah a show as old as me <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it uh that's now the third matt groening show that we've talked about matt graining sorry did we talk we talked about disenchanted disenchantment um maddie talked about it that's when right. she was on <laughs> all right well i don't think he has any other shows so we're yeah, we, we've covered all of his shows. Next, we're going to have to talk about his comic, Life in Hell. Life in Hell? Life is Hell? Life is Hell, I think. The Bunnies. Yes. Okay. All so. right, all right, Peter. All right, was that number? That was only number was, two. That was the second one. Okay, the third one you've already heard because I actually had a little cameo in the 50th episode. Ooh. Um, in which I talked about my what I called at the time, my favorite show of all time, which was Seinfeld. Seinfeld, great show, amazing show. So I lived with my grandfather when I was in college. Um, he really liked sitcoms. So again, I was doing homework. I had to put something on the TV, just as background noise. So I just put it on TBS and it would just go through a bunch of reruns of different sitcoms. And as it started to approach the uh, prime time, they brought out the big guns and Seinfeld was on from seven to eight. And mm -hmm. Um, great show. It was, it was my favorite one 
um, of all that that era. And by today's standards, it, it looks kind of hokey and over the top, right? Uh, laugh tracks aren't really as much of a thing anymore, I think. Um, but at the time, you know, the brand of comedy, the writing style, the, the meaningless plots, apparently it was pretty fresh and new in the 90s when it aired. Yeah. Um, it was a really popular show at the time. They're still showing reruns of it decades after it was canceled. So pretty solid. I um, Whenever people talk to me about Seinfeld, I like to say, I like to bring up the analogy of Seinfeld is to sitcoms what the Beatles is to like pop rock uh, or like were. Like, I know a lot of people talk about how like, the Beatles sound generic and like uh, there's so many better pop rock bands. And I'm just like, well, you can think that, but like they were groundbreaking for their time. And Seinfeld is the exact same thing. I watched it live on TV back when it aired and it was just like mind blowingly good how they changed what sitcoms were. Um, And now other shows have done that same formula better, but doesn't, lessen the effect that Seinfeld had on the genre. They're the original. And I think it's one of the rare shows that ended on a high note. Absolutely. I I never watched, I I still haven't watched that much of Seinfeld. I know enough about the, um, like the big hits. Like I can tell you like the soup guy and our soup Nazi and uh, the masturbation (laughs) thing. And the soup uh, the, guy, soup Nazi, right? Is that what they call him? No, no yeah, soup for you. There we the go. Soup Nazi, yeah. And um, uh, the 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 woman who dies by licking envelopes. Like I know enough of the like the big hits of it. Uh, that's just like been absorbed by just cultural osmosis. But I've, I don't think I've ever watched an episode start to finish. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I no, that's a lie. That's a lie. I watched one episode start to finish, and it's because my parents for some reason watched the finale. Um. I, I, I don't know why it was, it's I, I, my parents did this a couple of times when I was growing up, like when a big show was ending, mm-hmm. my mom specifically would make a big deal about watching the finale. I remember her also watching the wonder years finale, but like we all watched oh. the Seinfeld finale and we had no idea what was going on because <laughs> you know, we don't know any of these people. And it was the, you know, the end of a sitcom. So it, usually sitcoms, you don't need to know a lot, but when they're ending, you do. So I've yep. seen one episode, the last one. Weird. It's funny because in the last episode, they brought back a bunch of the characters that had appeared throughout the series. And that's why it was really fun to watch because it was, oh my gosh, it's this guy and that guy. But if you've never seen the rest of the series, it doesn't really have that same effect. No yeah. idea. It, it was a great way of doing like as close to a clip show as possible without doing a clip show. Because it was just like, we're going to show you all these characters and they're going to reference what they did when they were on the show, but you're not going to see those scenes. It was, that, that finale is great. Yep, so great show overall. Pretty classic. Um, if we're ready to move on. Sure. Um, also in college, a friend of mine named Alex, uh, he introduced me to a British game show. Alex, do you remember which one I'm talking about? QI. QI, which stands for Quite Interesting. Great show. Yeah, so this is a a trivia show. It's hosted by Stephen Fry. Not Um, anymore. What's that? Not anymore. 
Yes, no, I, really? uh, right now it's still airing and it's Sandy Toxvig is, is in the role of host, but for a long time it was hosted by Stephen Fry. Um, basically every week he's joined by these four British TV personalities slash comedians. Um, he asks them questions on anything and everything. It's not really a classic game show where they're timed and everything. It's more like an open panel discussion where he, he asks a question and whether or not they know the answer, they're just going to talk about it and, and mm -hmm. do jokes and, and stuff like that. It's a very fun and informative show for learning interesting little factoids. I, I'm looking at some pictures of this on Wikipedia now. I've seen a lot of clips from this show. I feel like yeah. this, this makes it around on the internet, just like people either talking to each other or, you know, saying like one line, not one line of jokes, but like relatively long formish jokes, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm familiar with this set. I had no idea what, it, what this British show that it was from was from. It, it's, it's such a great show. I remember getting into it in, in college and like then spreading the disease to all my friends, which is what people do in college. You know, they get a disease and then they spread it to everybody else. Uh, my disease was QI, quite interesting. Uh, I remember getting into the show and we, we used to watch it together all the time. We'd just be like sitting like waiting for a class to start and i'd just be like you guys want to watch a couple episodes of qi and we'd do that um it's so interesting it's quite interesting and honestly um like the fun facts that you learn from watching the show because that's really what what it's driven by it's driven by the like uh the knowledge that you can learn from it because i don't know that they would have gotten stephen fry to host it if it wasn't about something more than just you know being silly um and it's just it's so funny it it got me into um one of my favorite comedians jimmy carr like i i've discovered him through that show and now i just i watch his comedy specials all the fucking time um it's great yeah, right, right. Great show to watch. And, you know, you can go back and watch episodes that you haven't seen in a long time and they're fresh facts because yep. it's really hard to remember all those tiny little details. Yep. All right. Um, last show. Um, I know, Dwight, you watched this. Alex, not so much. Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So animated TV show on Fox. Um antics of bob belcher and his family his wife linda their three kids gene louise and tina uh running a burger restaurant and not being very good at it um, so it's about them just struggling their way through life um, i think it's on its ninth or tenth season now um, my wife and i watch it whenever it airs uh, really really funny comedy um i've heard talk that they're gonna do a movie Soon? Ooh, I'm all for that. That'd be great. Yeah. So it's um, it's still airing, like I said, um, and I'm curious how long it's going to go on because you know there are only so many ways that a TV show can end, right? They can go out on a high note, like we've talked about, or maybe the the network cancels it because it's not gaining any viewers and the actors are asking for too much money and that type of thing. Or, you know, maybe everyone involved just realizes that they've had enough and they want to do other things and it just kind of fizzles out that way. So I'm curious as to which path it's going to take. 
Yeah, Bob's, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like it's been very consistent. Like there hasn't been a season or like a string of episodes where I'm like, oh, this hasn't been that great. It's just consistently been very good. Um, this is, I don't know if animated shows are similar to this, but like like The Simpsons, like they're in their 10th season right now. So it's very, you know, maybe they're still in their golden era if they're going to go for, you know, 10, 15 more years. Um, with voice, I mean, with, with animation and voice acting, as long as the, the show is still making money for people, I, I don't see why they would cancel it. Um, I think Futurama was never as big as Bob's or The Simpsons ever got. So I think that's part of the reason why that one kind of got flushed. Um, but I, I love Bob's Burgers partially, like, I didn't watch it for the first, I think, five seasons, maybe, or maybe four. Uh, it took me a long time to like get into it. But the real big selling point was uh, the voice actor who who voices Bob, uh, Ish John Benjamin, I believe is his name. Um, he is phenomenal. I really like uh, him on uh, home, movies, home Movies, which is Coach awesome. McGurk. But yeah, he plays Coach McGurk. And uh, the person, uh, Lauren Bouchard, Borchard, I don't remember the exact pronunciation of the name, but they are the creators of both Bob's and Home Movies. So it's a very similar tone to the point where um, a lot of the voice actors uh, cross over, specifically in like secondary roles. Um, the, there's this one character called Hugo, who is the health inspector. He was played by, um, oh, I can't remember his name. He's the... Uh, He's the one that uh, Brendan goes to his birthday party in the second one. I want to say his name was Terrence. Terrence. Yeah, it's something like that. It's something obnoxious. Fenton. Fenton Mule. Fenton. There yes. you go. Um, that's the same voice actor. The the one who voices um, the the teacher. I think it's Lynch. Mister Lynch yep. uh, is the the voice of the other health inspector that's with them. There's a lot of crossover in that way, and like you can hear those uh, voices. Mort's also voiced by someone from uh, Home Movie. So it's just an awesome little family. And I love Christian Shaw and uh, John Roberts uh, who voices Linda is hysterical. Two of the, the lead females are, are voiced by men. And when you take a step back and, and realize that it just makes it even more hysterical that a 13 year old girl is, is voiced by a, a 40 year old man. Uh, it's very funny. without, without changing his voice. He does not make his voice high and female. Like he speaks in his normal 40 year old male voice. And it's just ridiculous. It's, um, it's absolutely amazing. And another thing that I really like about Bob's is they do a lot of musical numbers, um, which, makes also, which makes sense, you know, coming from uh, home movies where there was a lot of musical influence uh, with Dwayne and everything. Um, so the, all of the musical numbers are, are amazing to the point where they've released an album. Like I think it's, you can find it on Spotify of just all of the songs that have ever been in the show. Uh, and it's, they're all really catchy. I, I love it. Bob's Burgers is a fantastic show. All right, well, so that makes it to number five. So to summarize, that was five shows that I have watched. Wow. Glowing recommendation. <laughs> I have watched these shows. They were all positive. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I don't watch entire shows that I would really hate. You know, you watch a few episodes and you say, this just isn't for me. Yeah, I've, I've watched entire shows that I hate. So... Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. But... Did you hate them the entire time, or did it only uh, happen from season six to and on when when they run out of source material? That's a good question. Uh, I'm gonna have to get back to you. Like I, 
I'm currently watching a show that I hate, and I've hated it since episode one of season one, but I'm on episode season three, and I still hate it. Well, I don't know that I hate it. It's a terrible show that I enjoy watching. But you won't watch Avatar for Tiffany. No, because that's a terrible show. Wow. And, I, and it's not that I'm not watching it for Tiffany. It's that I'm not watching it for literally everybody because <laughs> everybody wants me to watch it. It's fair. Well, speaking of shows that are good, uh, we have all recently finished watching season two of The Mandalorian. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the show. So if you don't like The Mandalorian, uh, leave. Yeah. I don't because it's a good show. Also, we're going to get spoilery pretty quickly. So uh, if you haven't watched the se- season two of The Mandalorian, don't listen to this uh, because you should be watching that instead. Like there are better things to do with your time than, than listen to this. Like watch The Mandalorian. Yeah. Or, I don't know, gouge out your own eyes. Um, so we already talked about the first episode on the podcast, right? I think we did. I think we, we made a big deal about how we were going to try and do a week to week with the Mandalorian. And then that failed spectacularly because I think we've only released two episodes since then. And on neither of them did we talk three. Well, it'll be three by this time. Right. Uh, and we haven't talked about them on, uh, but on any of them. Right. Because we're really good at what we do. So context, uh, the Mandalorian is a television show. Can they even be called TV shows anymore at this point? They're just like long format movies. I um, mean, I, I think t- like that's going to be one of those, one of those antiquated terms that children someday don't understand, but it'll keep carrying over. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how the, the button save. for a save file is still the, the floppy disk, yep. which, you know, no one or not no one understands, but a lot of people don't, understand where that came from um that's that's going to be something that lives on things will always be called tv shows even when we have like hollow projections that are that are shows and there's no actual tv still in existence that's still gonna live on it's bold that you think that will happen before they're jacking stuff directly into the back of our skulls I think I think hollow projections is is the next step, which we're already basically at with like projector screens, and then after that we're just going to be jacking directly in and off. The Mandalorian. I think the difference is uh, the, I think the difference is that a, a show has episodes and mm-hmm. um, and seasons versus a movie is just usually a, a one off, right? I, I don't disagree with you, but, um, but then you have something like uh, The Haunting of Hill House or um, Haunting of Bly Manor, which are standalone eight-hour movies, basically. Like, right. Something like that, that where like, they, they just kind of like lead one into another. Uh, granted, they, they still do make them episodic where like, there's a cliffhanger at the end of an episode, right. but I don't know if that's going to hold going forward. It's called a miniseries, you fuck. What did I call it? I call, did I call it a limited series? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. That got aggressive. Uh, um, yeah, let's... Uh, what, what is it you say? Let's calm down. Yeah, yeah. Let's just all calm down. Yeah, th- those are just miniseries, which is such a weird, like, concept. I Like, now that you're bringing it up, yeah, I agree. They're just movies that have been chopped up because they're too long to be movies. 
They don't appear in the theater, so you're allowed to make it as long as you want because people are sitting at home watching it as opposed to yeah. sitting in a theater. But things don't need to be a movie to appear or to need to appear in a theater to be a movie. Holy fuck, <laughs> how did we get here from The Mandalorian? So The Mandalorian <laughs> is a bunch of motion pictures that are strung together uh, and we viewed with our eyeballs through Disney Plus. Uh, it is a, I keep on wanting to say TV show. It's a TV show set in the Star Wars universe. Um, it takes place, I don't think they were clear about this when it first came out. Uh, it takes place after episode six and before episode seven. Um, so it's during the fall of the empire and the rise of the new Republic. Uh, and it follows the character Mandalorian, or a.k.a. Mando, a.k.a. Din Darjin. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Close to it, though. Who is a Mandalorian, uh, a member of the... Uh, a, is, they're, they're not really a race. It's more of a um, like an order or a religious sect. Yeah, I, I would say order. Yeah. A, um, maybe tribe cults. or creed. There yeah. we go. Creed, go. creed works. Let's go with cult. Yeah, well, you find out. Um, <laughs> for, for those who don't know, um, Boba Fett is the most famous Mandalorian. Uh, that is, the armor he wears is called Mandalorian armor. Um, there was a whole bunch of Mandalorians in you know, extended universe stuff. Uh, you can find them in the Clone Wars. You can find it in all the pre, a lot of the pre-Disney stuff. Um, it's really, we can talk about the, the, the history of Mandalorians in general. It's really interesting, uh, I think. Um, anyways, Mando. Uh, finds uh, a baby Yoda as for lack of better terms. He, he, he is hired to uh, get a, a child, uh, which is a Whoa. alien, which is known as Yoda's species. This is something that I've always found interesting or have found interesting since the first season came out. I didn't know that Yoda's species didn't have a name. It's just uh, called Yoda's species. Yeah. They have not named it. I, um, I always knew that. For some reason, it's one of those, like, I, I'm not a Star Wars ringer, as you would like to call people. <laughs> I think you're the Star Wars ringer on this podcast. Possibly. Uh, followed by me, followed by Peter. Uh, but, like, I, that was one of my, always my fun facts. It was always, like, Yoda's entire species is just called Yoda's race. Like, and so people would always complain, like, oh, it's not baby Yoda. It's not Yoda. And I'd be like, well... It's a baby Yoda because Yoda's race doesn't have a name. Yeah, what so, else were you supposed to call it? So calling it a baby Yoda is technically correct. It was as correct as we could be at the time. Now right. we can be more correct. But anyways. Right. Um, so it follows uh, the adventures of, of Mandalorian, Armando, as he uh, tries to protect baby Yoda and get baby Yoda back to um, his own kind, kind of. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it. So that's my, uh, my elevator pitch for it. Peter. Uh, I believe part of the reason that uh, this is interesting for us is you had not watched The Mandalorian up until we asked you to come on the show. Um, are you listening? Wait, uh, hold on. Sorry, I'll let Alex go. I want to preface this with, it's not that we asked him to come on the show. He texted me and he said, if I watch both seasons of The Mandalorian, can I come on the show? And I was like, fuck yeah. Like we always planned on having him on at some point. We just, I was saving it for when we did something that was like that I thought Peter was a ringer for like, <laughs> like, like if a new Harry Potter movie came out, I would have been like, fuck yeah, let's bring, let's bring Peter on. We should have had him on when we talked about the cursed child. Oh my God. That would have been, 
It would have been a bloodbath. I've I've already forgotten that I read that, and I wish I could forget again. Uh, I forgot about it as soon as I read it. uh, So, like, he texted me. He's like, I haven't watched The Mandalorian, but I will watch both seasons if if I can come on the show. And I was like, of course you can come on the show. Yeah, let's do it. So he went through, and he just, like, trucked through season one. He finished it before season two had even ended, and then he – Got to work on season two. I think he finished. Uh, he caught up to season two before it had finished. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's right. I actually, after I texted you and you said yes, I subscribed to Disney Plus, <laughs> <laughs> and immediately started watching The Mandalorian. And I actually watched it twice because Whoa. I was a few episodes in. And then my wife decided she wanted to watch it, and we started back at the beginning. But I continued on where I already was without her, so I watched it twice. <laughs> I've never done that. There have been times where I'm watching something, and then Tiffany's like, "Oh, hey, uh, I want to watch it now too." And I'm like, five episodes in, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So we just restart in general. I've never kept going. That's awesome. I I think that is the only time that that ha- will ever happen is during COVID. Like that is ve- that, uh, that feels very COVID to me. Like I still have too much time on my hands. I'm going to continue watching this show, but I'll also watch it with you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she goes to bed kind of early and I am trying not to do that so much. Alex, you know, when we were in college, I went to bed at like nine. Yeah. And now I go to bed at like, 1030. So I've got an extra hour and a half to myself to do stuff like watch the Mandalorian. Peter, Peter is Benjamin buttoning. He is (laughs) aging in reverse. Like when we were in college, he was, he was like a 70 year old man, maybe because he lived with one. I don't know. But now he's, he's aging in reverse. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think we ever established that, that, that's how Peter knows you is through right. college. We've said yes. that several times at this point. But. Yeah, we went to college together. We we like each other, I guess. I was the best man at his wedding. Eh, NBD. Yes. It's not like I officiated his wedding or anything. Well, at least you were into the wedding. You were on that stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember when I was in your wedding? I so, Peter, season one. <laughs> Tell me your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> Dreams. Yeah, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about Mando as as a character and the character that started in season one and then what it became in season two, because there was a lot of change there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I was taking notes as I was watching. Um, And so my initial impressions, Mando, he's he's a man of few words. He's loyal to his tribe, I guess we're calling it. He's pretty cool and calm, but he's really good at what he does. And it's, it was kind of a risk, I thought, for them to base this series on a character who almost never takes off his helmet, right? You can't see his facial expressions, and he doesn't really act through his language that much. It's all through body language and through the situations that he's in that you try to understand what is he actually feeling in his head. So it's, it's a bold choice, I think. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I think Pedro Pascal did a fin, a phenomenal job uh, with like his body acting and just like the way you could just uh, a tilt of the head or like a shrug of the shoulders or just a lingering turn, like a lingering look before a turn. Like you got 
everything that was going through his mind um, just through his own body language, which is incredibly impressive when you're, like you said, it's just a helmet. Like that's all you're looking at for 99% of the show. Right. So we meet him in episode one. We kind of understand what his life is about, what his job is. His life is his job, right? He really doesn't have anything else. He finishes his job and immediately starts the next one. And then by the end of the first episode, we, we introduce this baby Yoda character um, that completely throws a, him a curveball. His life changes forever. Suddenly he has something else that he cares about and he changes throughout the series because of that. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I 100% agree. It's um, the, the introduction of baby, like that first episode in general, like where it, I lo- it was such a well-paced episode in the terms of the entirety of the show, because you do like in this, in the 40 minutes or whatever, you get an entire snapshot of what this guy's life is. And you can tell that it's just the same repetition over and over and over again. And like this wrinkle that's introduced is uh, you know, just really expertly done. Um, and I mean, baby Yoda is absolutely adorable. So I don't know how anybody's life couldn't be changed by it. And even like, I would say like the first I think like the first three or four episodes really feel like a mini arc in and of themselves of just like him getting a conscious almost like you can see like where that buds and begins. Exactly. Yeah. He's very rigid to his code at the start, but in episode two, I think it is um, he, or maybe it's three. He, he suddenly realizes that, um, I have a my own personal moral code that maybe supersedes the code of my order in some cases, like in when he hands over baby Yoda, the bounty to the, the person who's asking for, it, and then goes back and says, I don't know what they're doing to this kid, but I'm just not okay with it. So they, they introduce him as being rigid to his order and then he starts to break it. And that just continues throughout the series. We'll talk more about that when we get to season two. You mentioned uh, when you talked about it the first time that aesthetically this show is, is absolutely gorgeous. It really captures the look of the original Star Wars trilogy from the 70s and 80s. Um, there's a lot of visual throwbacks. They're using the same species, the same technologies. You know, I'm seeing speeders and binoculars and droids that I saw way back when I watched those original movies. They really paid close attention to those sorts of details. Even the sound effects. Yeah. They use a particular weapon. They're using the same sound effect that they used in 1977 for that weapon. All right. So the continuity from this series to the original is, is just really unbelievable. Yeah. And, and it's, it's great because it's not, it's never in your face about it. It just mm-hmm. makes it feel like this is the world that you're in. Like there, there's a moment in um, uh, episode four uh, and during the, the special editions where they have inserted Boba Fett, we're going to speaking of Boba Fett. Um, and there's a point where like, he's there with Jabba in that like additional scene and they added Boba Fett and he like walks in front of the camera and he like turns and looks at the camera and there's no reason for him to do it. And so like, it's in your face about like, Hey, it's something, you know, look, look, it's something, you know, you like that. Right. But this, it's like a part of the story. It's a part of the world. So everything that's there makes sense. And it just helps with the world 
world building for it. I don't know if, I think we might have already talked about this uh, and it's jumping ahead a little bit, but at the beginning of season two, there's a point when they're using some speeders. They're on Tatooine and they're using like some speeders. And one of the person's speeders is like a, it's a part of a pod racer and it looks like Anakin's old pod racer. It might not be, but it just looks like the same style of engine that he has. It's like things like that where they're, they're not drawing attention to it. They're not like making a big deal about it. Like I've said, but it's like makes this whole universe feel cohesive. And like, there's a reason for everything that's happening, Yeah, uh, which is just makes it an amazing piece of star Wars media. I, I think the first season definitely, um, towed that line very well between what I would call like good world building and bad fan service. Um, and I think the first season did it expertly. And I think the second season was also, you know, we'll touch on that a little more later. It was, it was also very good for the most part, but maybe crossed the line a little too far a couple times, but for the most part tried to keep up the same uh, style and good world building as i would say um or world continuity you know it's like things that were set up for the series from the the core movies that they're just carrying over instead of being like hey remember this thing that you like let me shove it in your face a thousand times which is what like the the prequels did a bunch the sequels did a bunch um and it's it's was such a breath of fresh air to see Mando for season one do it in the right way. To the point where, um, skipping ahead once again a little bit, like I think it's in episode four of the first season where um, Mandalorian uh, encounters, I think it's an ad at or something like that. But th- it's it the the Walker um, when he's on that uh, that forest planet. Yes, the ATST. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah yes thank you uh having that show up i feel like in any other medium it would have been like oh look what we have look what we have but the way that they used it like it was such like a force of nature and it was like this insurmountable thing that he had to overcome it made perfect sense for that to be the imperial technology that he has to overcome this week so Mm -hmm. that type of like usage of the old stuff is yeah, it's just very well done as far as I'm concerned. I wrote down about that uh, inclusion that it was really, they used a lot of cinematic techniques to make this robot a, a huge threat. You know, we saw a whole bunch of them in Return of the Jedi. They didn't seem that intense. They got taken out by a bunch of teddy bears. But in this episode four, um, these big red eyes suddenly start glowing in the darkness and it slowly rises up until it's towering over these characters. They're running through the dark woods from this thing that's just chasing them down. Um, It was just a really well done scene that, as I said, portrayed a real big threat from this thing that already existed. So they, they saw this and said, we can, we can use this in our story without making it seem too fan service That's kind of the advantage of Star Wars in general is you have 30 plus, 
coming up on 50 years worth of, of mythology and backstory and, and just uh, everything that you can, like this massive well that you can draw from. And there, there are two ways you can go about it. You can either have it be fan servicey and in your face and, you know, 50 lightsabers up on the screen, or you can use it very, like almost like just like a pinpoint strike with this, like we're going to have one piece. And like, that's the, like you, you just said, that's the most intimidating we've ever felt an ATST ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, every other time that they show up, it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, they're just like little, you know, they're like tissue paper that they just tear through. But this was, it felt hard and it was uh, very, very well done. Incidentally, Bryce Dallas Howard directed that episode. She directed an episode in the second season too, I believe. She, yeah, she directed I, the third episode of season two. Yes, the third yeah. episode. I I have the, I have it on my other screen. That's with Frog Lady. Yes, I remember. Yes, that one. the one with Frog Lady. Literally, the character's name, Frog Lady. So, so something that I found interesting about the early episodes and kind of the first couple episodes of, of um, season two, but just like the first like three to four episodes of um, season one, almost felt like a video game to me. I don't know if this was intentional, but Mando was basically like a character in an RPG. Like he would go somewhere, he would do a quest, he would get a piece of, he would get a, a magical item that he could take back to the armor smith who would then upgrade his gear. And mm-hmm. like, that was so fun just to watch like him getting stronger and him like, becoming a full Mandalorian in that aspect because he was using the Besker and just becoming, you know, getting his full Mandalorian outfit, which I think was also a really good little trick to uh, key us into that character and make us care about his journey. Cause we, we were physically watching him progress along and then, you know, maybe Yoda happened. Right. I, I think, I think you touched on it. Like season one for me was so great because it was like, kind of monster of the wiki quote unquote where each each episode brought mando to a different location and meeting different people and then it was like a self-contained story of him you know helping these people do this or doing this bounty or blah 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 and uh i ca- i liked that season 2 was less of that and more long form storytelling still in a lot of ways it kept that that sort of theme i was gonna say i respectfully disagree i feel like season two was exactly that as well like they 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 led into each other a little bit better where it was like mando has a he has an end goal that he's trying to get to but he keeps on running into obstacles and then that like brings him to an episodic thing yeah um like he but in the first one in the first season it was less like it was more like i'm going to this planet for fun like i don't know what i'm doing you didn't really have a end goal um but i still feel like you could just pick any random episode in season two and it would be a standalone story yeah for the most part Uh, up up until like maybe the up until um uh episode five i I was i was gonna say like the last four episodes are a four-part episode to me so when half the season is a four-parter, I don't know that it can it holds up to the previous season that I don't think was that way. But I might be misremembering season one. I mean, I there's a through line that. through both of them, right? Yeah. Um, but even so, there is somewhat of a, a self-contained story. He's going from one planet to another. Um, and yes, there's that element of, all right, he went here, he did this, and he got a little clue that has taken him to the next place. You know, this guy says, 
you know, I haven't seen any Mandalorians around here, but I think I saw some on this other planet. Right. Or, or like when he picks up Frog Lady because her husband knows of where a Mandalorian might be. It, like, it seems a little cool. forced sometimes. Like, yeah. Sorry, Mando, our princess is in another castle. Yeah. E- literally every person in that show is just Toad. And he's just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Even the one with the little headdress thing that kind of looks like Toad's hat. Yeah. So, like, we'll to that. overall, I think season one is, a, is amazing and was a really solid introduction to the show, introduction to the characters that we were going to get, like, and see multiple times, which we didn't even know that we were going to see, like, Carl Weathers and <laughs> Gina Carano, like, when they first showed up in the show, I was like, man, they got some great actors to play these characters. It's too bad they're just one-offs. Because I assumed everybody was just a one-off because the, they were just constantly moving around and Bill Burr and, like, all these people. Um, and then they all ended up coming back for the finale of season one or, like, the last two episodes of season one, maybe. Yeah. And, and then in season two, you start to see all these characters start cropping up again. And... Then they start adding in more characters and it was a really fun experience to like see the characters that we were familiar with and get to see what they've been up to while Mando's been doing his, uh, his same old shit. Both seasons do that expertly as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I feel like, a, a good example would be a very bad example. Um, have you, either of you watched, uh, Alex, I know you're a big Doctor Who fan. Uh, Peter, do you like Doctor Who at all? Or Have not seen much of it. Okay. Um, in one, I think it's in, it's one of the Matt Smith season or episodes. There's this, one of his, one of the doctor's companions gets kidnapped. And so he takes like 15 minutes at the beginning of an episode and he goes and he rounds up a whole group of people because he's going to go get his friend back. He's going to go rescue them from the bad guy and he is going to save the day. And so we go and, and he does this little recruiting montage where he recruits like three or four people. I don't remember exactly how many, but he recruits three or four people. But they're people that we have never met. So when some of them die later or when like, uh, you know, like they make that heroic sacrifice, there's no emotional weight to it whatsoever. Right. And like in Doctor Who is a show where there's, you know, like hundreds of episodes. So it's not like you don't have time to fucking introduce people. Um, in this, an eight episode season, they managed to make you care about the people that Mandalorian brings back for the end. Like he, he has his one-off adventures where he meets somebody key. And then he has that get the gang together moment at the end of both seasons and both times it feels awesome. Like watching him like going in this like wrecking shop with his friends. And like, then you care, like when, you know, one of the characters has to make a sacrifice, even if it is a robot that uh, was murderous prior to this. Um, there's like, you care when, when the people might die, it, it makes the, the emotional stakes that much more. And it's a really easy thing to do easy, but it's like a really you know effective thing to do. I think. Yep. I that was expertly that. done. How, with so little actual screen time, how are you able to make the audience care about this robot enough that when he decides to sacrifice himself, you feel bad? Even as he's telling you, I have no emotions. I'm not really (laughs) beat up about this at all. This is the right thing to do. It's logical. You still feel for this thing. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think part of that has to do with Taika Waititi's performance as uh, is IG Eleven. Is that is that what the name of it was? I think it was uh, IG Eleven. I can't I, rem- I can't remember for sure. Eighty-eight from the movie. I think it was yes. Eleven. Um, IG eighty-eight from the movie. So that's awesome. Also, like that's another good example of using, um, you know, just familiar shorthand. Like I feel like IG IG eighty-eight is a little bit of a nerdy deep cut. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in the movie, but he just stands there. They never say IG eighty-eight. You go do this. Um, but I don't know. I, li- I like that that type of level of fan service is here. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that. I think that's like the world building that I was talking about. That that was like the fine line of, you know, it doesn't matter if you know that an IG unit is like a bounty hunting robot from episode five. Like who the fuck cares? you you get that same information in the first episode of mandalorian like it doesn't matter you're right the the real deep cut is that they had reused props from the cantina scene on moss eisley in episode four as ig88's head in episode five and that's the reason why he shows up on tatooine is because it's a common knowledge that ig units are, are manufactured there sorry you're right that's that's the more deep cut thing I wish I had something that I could throw at you. Um, I'm a ringer, baby. I kind of want to just text Tiffany and be like, hey, can you go slap Dwight or throw something at him? She would do it too. She she absolutely would, which is why I'm not doing it. But <laughs> I just want you to know that that entire time I was thinking how much I want to hate you. That's fair. No, this is good. See, I, I have questions having watched both seasons about – references in the universe that maybe i don't understand but some other people will um there's episode three of season two chapter 11 the heiress and there's yep. a character in there that i feel like has some larger context that i don't know about uh are we are you talking about bo-katan yes that's the yeah. one so okay so getting into season two season two um took a lot of characters that we know from in canon stuff, um, mostly from like Clone Wars and Rebels, and gave them live action counterparts and kind of continued their story. Um, I never watched Rebels, but I did watch a good amount of Clone Wars, the show. So Bo Katan and uh, Ahsoka Tano both show up in those shows and are fairly large roles in those shows so when they showed up in in mando it was a pretty fucking big deal um i personally i thought that both were handled very well and i don't think that it's necessary to know pretty much any of their backgrounds to really appreciate them as characters and appreciate what they mean to like uh, the Mandalorian or, or even just like the show as a whole. Um, but if you have specific questions, maybe I could help, but I don't, I don't know. I guess as I understand it, the backstory that they were able to, to reveal Bo-Katan is um, an heir to the Mandalorian throne. I believe at one point she was the ruler of Mandalore. Um, yes. if, if I'm not mistaken. So the Darksaber, which is introduced at the end of season one, um, kind of plays a relatively large role in the second season. Um, Moff Gideon, who is 
uh, at the moment, the big bad, bad guy played by uh, Juan Carlo Esposito, uh, he has the dark saber. And I don't believe we've found out how he gets it yet. Um, and I'm not super up on my rebels because I believe that's where Bo-Katan gets the dark saber or was that in the clone wars? I don't recall. Um, Bo-Katan has held the dark saber in the past. Um, so I don't know exactly how it came out of or is no longer under her possession. Um, so it's kind of a big deal that she wants it back because she did have it at one point, which is interesting because once again, I'm not super up. I'm, I don't remember much from Star. I didn't finish Clone Wars and um, I haven't watched very much of Rebels, but um, she does receive it at one point and I believe it is just handed to her. Um, yeah. which she makes a big fucking deal about not being able to do in this, but eh, sure. So she, she gets it from her sister. I remember that much. Um Sabine, I think was her name. Uh, I remember it was during the Mandalorian Civil War that she gets the Darksaber. Um, or maybe right after the Mandalorian Civil War. I think it was either during or right after that she gets the Darksaber from her sister. Um, that's about like the most of it i i do i do remember or like when i was watching the finale being like what uh i was just like uh, is i don't remember you having to win that like what the fuck is going on i i think they're just setting up some sort of conflict for the next season um because since i don't think they're going to be super revolving it around um grogu which is the name of Baby Yoda. Yeah. I don't believe he's going to be playing a big, a big part going forward. Maybe he will, but I don't think he is. Um, so you need some sort of conflict going forward. And so I think the um, lineage or ownership of the Darksaber will be that, that driving force. Uh, an interesting thing about Bo-Katan, I think, is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, this is one of the first times, or this is, it's just a, a cool thing, that the person who voiced the, the animation uh, counterpart played Bo-Katan in live action. Yep. It, Katie Sackhoff did the voice for her. Yeah. Uh, which is so cool. Like that's like to, to be playing this character in both the live action and the animated form, bef- like the animated form first before playing the live action is cool. It's gone the other way. Mace Windu. Yep. But yeah, that, that is really cool. I, I, I really appreciated that little, like uh, they did this, a uh, very similar thing with uh, Boba Fett in, uh, what episode six was it? Uh, episode six of uh, yeah, that's when two? he shows up. Well, he shows where up he in sh- episode one, but where he shows up and wait, he shows up in episode one. He's the guy who turns around as um, Mando's leaving the planet. Like, oh. He watches Mando leave with the Boba Fett armor. Oh, cool! But I I liked that little. They were just like, yeah, this is the guy that played Jango Fett because he was cloned, and Boba Fett's a clone. Like we we knew that Boba Fett was a clone. Um, so I liked that little, they were like, yeah, why cast a new person when we can just put this guy in and it makes sense. And he looks exactly like he should. So I, I like the, they did the same thing with Bo-Katan and I was just like, that's amazing. Like, yeah, it's funny that it's understood that Boba Fett obviously is going to look exactly like his father. So it's the same actor, but also every clone trooper technically has that same face so he makes a a reference later on when they're trying to sneak into to an imperial base he says 
let's just say they'd recognize my face. Right. At that. Yep. And that's one of those awesome things where it's like, that's like a fan service thing because like they never come out and say, well, you see, I was a, all the original Clone Wars were based off of my father's genetic material and I'm a clone, blah, blah, blah. But it's just right. like fans who know, no. And it's just like a, a one line that's like, oh, there, he has a reason for not going in there for people who aren't aware. But it's a fun little world building piece of fan service uh, if you don't. Speaking of faces that are being revealed, um, Peter Pascal had more FaceTime in season two, a lot more than I was expecting, in fact. Yeah, like 100% more than I was expecting, which Same. is to say, Annie. <laughs> uh, it was really, I, I didn't expect them to show, like the first time he takes off his helmet, he takes this off twice during this season. Um, yeah. each one in the last two episodes. The first time he takes off his helmet, I was like, oh, they're going to cut away and not show us. Because that time they could have gotten away with it. Yeah. The second time, I was just like, oh, they're just going to show his face again because we'd already seen it before. I kind of wish the second time had been the first time because it was w- way more of a an impactful moment. It was way more of an impactful character like beat. Um, I, it still has the same impact, but it would have probably impacted me as a viewer more rather than the character. Cause it still means a lot to the character, but that makes sense. When he took his, his helmet off the first time, I really liked what they did with making him seem overly vulnerable yeah. Like, um, and, and there's kind of a theme in that episode in general of like helmets coming off. Um, like, cause when Bill Burr is driving them and he immediately takes the helmet off and he's t- like, they set it up pretty well. Yep. Uh, like that he's going to have to take it off. And, and going back to what you said way earlier, Peter, about like how Mando's character evolves, like the person that we meet in that first episode would never do this. He would never take his helmet off for any reason, let alone to save someone who was uh, a job. Um, so him taking it off to, to save uh, Grogu is first off massive character development. And then like, like I said, seeing him just like be vulnerable and like, he looks scared, like just being in this position where he is not in control. Um, at least that's how I, I was reading his, his emotions was a really effective way of just showing how far he would go to, to save baby Yoda and just how unsure of what he was doing. He was, um, I loved that whole sequence, but I can also agree to your point, Alex, where if they had shot it in a different way and like, he just takes his helmet off, does the face scan, puts it back on and then everything else is, you know, as it was. And then he takes it off and that's our first time. Like his reveal is him showing his face to Grogu um, yeah. as like a level of like, I like this is like the utmost trust and the utmost like love at that point. Um, that also would have been very powerful. So it's a tough call, you know, but at, um, like you said, I think they did a lot more of showing his vulnerability in this season. I recall, I think it was episode two frog lady episode that he, for the first time that I remember really didn't seem to have it together. He, he landed on a strange planet unexpectedly um grogu's eating these eggs <laughs> and oh, man <laughs> that was the most daddy darjin he had ever been which like stop it I, I i love his relationship with grogu so much but it's it's great and then again in that that moment when he is caught with his helmet off doesn't know how to act because he's impersonating an imperial officer uh, the whole time i was watching that scene i was just very 
uncomfortable for him because he was so out of his element. That whole sequence, um, not that Pedro Pascal did a bad job at that point, but I was actively shocked at how good Bill Burr was in that sequence. He was phenomenal. Like, just like, this was, the Empire's in the first season, but they're not really overtly in the first season. In the second season, the Empire's, as far as I'm concerned, still alive and kicking. Like, they're yeah. they like actively um, antagonizing the Mandalorian. And so when they're infiltrating this base and like, hearing somebody else like a former imperial soldier talk about like the atrocities that they had to do was just like it felt really relevant and just really timely and just hard to listen to yeah i find it really weird how during a uh a time after the um like the fall of the galactic order they seem like more of a character than the new Republic. Maybe, maybe it's because of the character that we're following and his avoidance of the Republic, but it just, it's always felt weird to me that we haven't seen a time of like relative peace in star Wars. I think it's, it shows the, maybe the evolution of the storytelling nature of the, the series that in 1983, the Empire Falls, everybody cheers, and you just kind of assume everything is going to be okay. But then fast forward to 2019, 2020, and they tell us that, no, that's not really how things work, especially in such a giant galaxy where you're going to have these uh, local groups of, of Empire people that are not willing to just throw down their weapons, you know, yeah. that transitions of power are messy things. Absolutely. And, and to speak to, to what you're saying, Alex, I feel like that's kind of one of the themes of Tatooine and, and the, area, the outer rim in general where they are that tends to be lesser governed yeah. um, by any republic. Um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in our Star Wars lore, I think that the whole section of the galaxy, I think, is ruled by the huts in general. Yes. Like they, yeah. they have like the, the whole... Like, the whole mafia, basically, for lack of a better term, like controls all of those planets. So there's not really oh. a place for... What's Speaking up? of the huts, can we talk about how fat Bib Fortuna got? <laughs> can we, how did Bib Fortuna survive? I'm fine okay. with him being there, but he was on the barge. Yeah, he was on the barge. So that's a question. Why did he get so fat? Like, Shabo was fat. Is that the only reason? Is it just like, if you're the leader, you have to be fat? Sitting in his chair, he's eating the same food. I, I imagine he um, wanted to emulate his former boss. I, I assume that's how it is, is where it's like, I now have the power, so I don't need to do anything. So I will just sit here with my, my Twi'lek girl, and she will dance for me, and that, that will be all. And I will eat frogs or whatever he eats. Now, if I, if talking about the scenes where the series stepped over a line into fan service, that is one of them for me, where I was just like, what's the point of this scene? This, se- this seems like a little much. I think that's why it was an after credit scene. I think it was just <laughs> pure fan service and setting up the Boba Fett show, but like setting it up in like the most efficient way possible. Right. Where, like, he's just going to be in charge of the Hut syndicate, I assume, or at least Java, whatever Java was in, in charge of, or Bib Fortuna. That's what he's going to be running. And like, now there's no need to set that up at all. It was just an after credit scene done. Okay. 
Um, but kind of circling back a little bit, the the New Republic does have a little bit of a um, of a presence in this season, which I really appreciated because in the second episode or Frog Lady episode, I think that was episode two with the Ice Planet with the spiders. Um, yes, it, the whole you know push of that episode is. Uh, Mando is running from a couple of um, X-Wings, uh, which are basically like New Republic police. And he crash lands on the planet and whatnot. And that setup was awesome because it, it was X-Wings, things we know. It wasn't in our face about it. It was just like, well, of course, they're going to be flying in X-Wings. That's basically their police cruisers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a perfect setup for the end of the series. Uh, because when that first X-wing flies by in that last in the in the last episode, I was like, "Oh, the New Republic are here! Awesome, they're going to save the day." But then it's just one X-wing, mm-hmm. and how did you all feel about that whole ending? And speaking of fan service, um, it really it, it pushed my boundary a little too far. I can't think of how else they were going to tie it up but at the same time i was just like oh man this is this is too much like not just for one episode it was too much for one episode but it was too much for like one season like i liked that the only real lore drop that they threw into season one was like the dark saber showing up that was the only important thing that happened in season one that was, like, big. And then in season two, it was like, we got Bo-Katan. We got Ahsoka Tano. Oh, and we got Mark Hamill. Like, holy shit. This is too much. Oh, and we got Boba Fett. Like, there, there was just – it was – for me, it was just a little too much. And that was the last one. And that – that Boba Fett was kind of my breaking point <laughs> So that one happening, I was just like, nah, nah, not for me. Like, it was cool and everything, but it it changed the dynamic of the show in a way that I didn't like because, like you talked about before, something that was great about the show is that everything has stakes and has, like, heavier stakes than they ever had in the originals like ATSTs is what we talked about before. But like the dark troopers, the stakes immediately got erased the moment that one person showed up. And I wish that it had had, there had been a more clever solution to that very scary problem. It was great. The dark troopers were really a great, well-built threat Um, we didn't see a whole lot of them until suddenly there's a ton of them they're completely cornered by these things that are just killing machines or just going to tear them apart and and yes the deus ex machina the guy who comes to save the day just tears right through them and it's kind of like you you question the the relative skill levels of all these different characters and robots when one guy can just show up and completely obliterate them right the Deus Ex Skywalker. <laughs> I uh, shocker. I was fine with it. I love yeah. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he, he he makes me very happy. Uh, I loved seeing a full power Luke. Period. It was just nice to see finally. Mm-hmm. Um, I. It's not like it wasn't set up, and also like 
if it was any other jet, if it was just a random Jedi, like they, they did work themselves into a corner. And, and I will agree that I do wish that they had, I mean, you, you have Mando um, fighting Moff Gideon with a Besker spear versus the dark saber, which in yeah. and of itself was fucking cool. Yeah. That um, was awesome. I, I would have liked to maybe see a little bit more of a struggle on that standpoint, because I feel like that was over relatively quickly. And like, that was really all Mando was there to do was, was do that and rescue Grogu. But then like, by the time they get to like that, um, the the main cockpit area, I feel like everybody else didn't have much to do. It was almost a little bit superfluous to have all of them there. But like, if it, so, they really backed themselves into a corner. And so, like I said, I originally thought it was just like the New Republic were here to save them, and then it's just mm-hmm. Luke. But if it was any other Jedi, even Ahsoka, I, I feel like it would have been like, oh, so having it be yeah. Luke and somebody that we know, or at least from like a lore standpoint, know because I can't imagine anyone ever watching this in a vacuum like watching the mandalorian without having any sort of knowledge of star wars right i feel like it would have been even more disappointing for people um so i'm very happy that it was luke i um i i like i said i i can't think of a better way that they could have written themselves out of the corner that they put themselves in i just think they need to write a better better ending like i i don't I'm not saying I hate this episode. I'm not saying I hate this season. I actually really like up on me. I really liked this season as a whole. It's just the last three episodes as a whole felt a little too fan servicey to me. Um, I actually really liked the second to last episode. That actually was probably my favorite of the the three part finale. Um, at which feels weird for me to say because Boba Fett has always been like my favorite Star Wars character. But when he showed up, I was just like, I don't really want to see more of you. Like, I, I, liked, I liked what I knew about you from the EU. Like, I, I read all of his books from okay. the extended universe. So I, I was really into that. And I feel like that's why I love Mando so much, because a lot of it is adapting that sort of material and re-canonizing it. Is that a word? Is canonizing a word? Um, Yes. Reforming it into canon. Um, that Because a lot of the EU books that were uh, revolved around Boba Fett were, kind of did a lot of the stuff that Mando's doing now. So when he showed up and they like brought him along for three episodes, I was just like, man, I, I didn't need Boba Fett. I honestly didn't. I, I would have been See, fine without him showing up. I would have been fine without Luke showing up. I, I don't know. I never there's got the, Boba Fett. Oh. There's that moment um, when you saw the Slave One show up. Yeah. In the sky, right? That yeah. you're, you're you're just kind of little, you know, internal fanboying going yeah. on there. And same thing when the X-wing shows up and one dark figure steps out, and you just know who it is. And as early as I've knew when this universe took place following Return of the Jedi, something in the back of my head said, well, so Luke is around. Where is he? What is he doing? And, and this was just kind of the closing that, that gap. Otherwise, people are always going to ask, well, why didn't they go there? Mm-hmm. It was clear from all the extra Jedi stuff that they threw into season two that it was going to get there. Yeah. As you said, Alex, they, they just led themselves that way. Yeah. I... Like I, I, I'm not upset, but I, I was a little disappointed with how the season ended, a, a little. 
I, I think that's the danger you run into when you introduce legacy characters like that in general, especially in something that, like you said, stu- stood on its own so well in season one. I can understand the like, I, I know there's a whole, a large group of, of Star Wars fans that just want to get away from the Skywalkers in general. Like they, mm-hmm. they want to see Star Wars without Luke, Leia, Han, or any sort of Skywalker family. Um, I am not one of them. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed the Skywalkers. Uh, so I, I don't mind. Um, I, I don't dislike the Skywalkers. Like I like Skywalker stories, but I, if I, when I watch a non Skywalker story, I don't need Skywalkers. Like that's, that's my fair. thought process. It's like, just because something is called star Wars doesn't mean it needs to have a Skywalker. That's my thought process. I'm not saying that I don't like Skywalker stories. I'm just saying, if you're going to have a Skywalker story, just be, be like bald faced about it. Just tell me that this is about Skywalkers. I wonder Great if that Jedi has- in general, um, it, you know, what we're learning is that there are lots of other races and tribes of people that are warring among themselves, have their own history. We know that mass audiences like Jedi and like the lightsabers and all that, but that's not all that Star Wars is or can right. be. Right. Right. Agreed. Which which is very true. And it's interesting because I haven't read or experienced that much in the EU uh, in general. So I wonder if that has a little bit to do with my how I view um, you know, the world. Because like right. you're saying like, oh Boba Fett's my favorite character. And I was like, Boba Fett had like five minutes of screen time and then he died. Like uh, who cares? Like that, that that has always been my opinion of Boba Fett. It's like I don't I don't yeah. get why people like him. Um, I, this show did way more to make me like Boba Fett than anything else I've ever seen has done. I, I also, I think my second favorite character is Darth Maul, but that's because of Clone Wars. Like, his character in Clone Wars is fucking awesome. And he has, like, uh, like uh, this huge struggle with Obi-Wan. And he has a, a huge backstory with um, Bo-Katan, which, uh, like, I, I love Darth Maul. When Darth Maul showed up at the end of Solo, no, that, was, that. that was more exciting for me than Boba Fett showing up in the show. See, which, that to me felt like fan service. That felt like blew, pointless fan service to me. Which blew my mind. Like, I, <laughs> Solo felt like pointless fan service to me. I did not enjoy Solo at all. I think Solo is a fine movie. I, I never really foresee myself rewatching it. But that one part of it was like the shining light of the movie for me. I was just like, yeah, Darth Maul. <laughs> Give me a Darth Maul movie. I want spider legs, damn it. Um, yeah, but but if like if, if Clone Wars didn't exist and someone said that Darth Maul was their favorite character, I'd be like, "Are you insane?" Like, right. and that's how I've always felt about Boba Fett. I've never, like I said, I've never read any of the books or anything like that. Which is like the beauty of Star Wars is there are all these other you know facets of it that you can view. But I guess I'm uh, a simple plebe, and I like my my laser sticks go swish swish. <laughs> makes me very happy when that happens. My laser sticks go swish swish. Well, I hate you. Um, I'm never recording an episode of a podcast with you again. I don't believe you. Um, I, I feel like we... Oh, uh, one thing that I did want to touch on about this season is I think even more than last season, which was phenomenal. Season one was phenomenal. Season two had a director slash cinema cinematographer touch i don't know if they changed cinematographers or had specific specifically good ones 
I know they they changed up some of the directors and got some big names. This one was even more well shot than season one to me. I really, really liked the um, film style that they used for it. Uh, it really caught my attention, even on the episodes where I was just like, I was mildly checked out because, you know, season, episode six just got a little too much for me. I was still like, this is beautiful. Uh, the, the guy who shot, I think it was episode six, speaking of the one, it's the only one that I know. Um, the guy who shot episode six with the one that Robert Rodriguez directed yep. um, is the same guy who shot the movie Clerks by Kevin Smith. Wow, that's so cool! What what a career! Like, because uh, I follow Kevin Smith on I think Twitter or Instagram or one of those, and like yeah. when that episode came out, he like wrote this big long post about this guy who made this little movie with him and how far he's come, and now he's shooting Star Wars. So there's a cinematographer for you. Uh, that is so cool. I couldn't tell you any of the other ones because this Barry Baz Iodine or something. He's been in a bunch, but I don't know if he's done. Wow. The guy that shot episode episode seven went from fan fan four stick to wow. to Wonder Woman. Those those were his back to back directions. Well, you get, or, you get uh, cinematographers get them to shoot superhero stuff. Apparently, they can do it. I don't think I don't think fan four sticks issues was their cinematography. I agree. Uh, this this Barry Baz iodine guy has shot a lot of of um, mandalorian mandalorian the the shooting style in general i think is fantastic i think we talked about it a little bit in our previous episode but like the one that really stands out to me is the season opener for season two like the style is just so crystal clear like this is a western in space and like it's just so defined and so distinct and I, I that, that that episode I still think about the crate dragon fights like it's yep. it was so cinematic. I, I think it speaks a lot to maybe my values, but also just how well it was done. I think episode one of season two was my favorite episode. I think it was the most cinematic, the most standalone, the most like movie like. I I could throw that on any time of any day and just watch it over and over again because it. It stands on its own. I wouldn't have to like watch the rest of the season. I could just, you know, do it. I I think bringing Luke or another Jedi in at the end though to take Grogu away was a very smart decision. Yep. Um, partially because while I love Baby Yoda and I love Mando's relationship with him, I like their their interactions with each other. Just like I. Every time I look at a, a small steel ball now, I'm going to get emotional, um, which is an amazing thing that something has been able to do. Um, but removing him, I think, is going to be essential for moving the plot, or at least like an action-oriented plot forward, which is how I feel they want to proceed. Because there was many times where they were like, we're going to go do the big action thing now. Let me drop Baby Yoda off at the babysitter. And like right. it was almost like a hand-wavy thing. Like, we're going to go do cool Star Warsy stuff now. Put Baby Yoda to the side. Put yep. Baby Yoda in the corner. And we'll go on and we'll do our own thing. Um, so I think that that was more of like an economics of storytelling and maybe like the story they want to get to now. What what I hope they don't do, I don't know. I hope they don't go into a digitally de-aged Luke and like we have an active like show about that. Um, that would be a little bit too much for me, I think. 
Because then you have to show Kylo Ren. You would have to show that type of stuff. It would be weird. As far as I'm concerned, Baby Yoda's story should be done now. And yeah. I'm sure some people will be upset. People who only watch the show because of cute little Baby Yoda. But we, we need to move on. It's necessary for the continuation of this story. Yeah. The, the final episode, the final scene really told us a lot about where the series is headed. And it's away from that. Yeah, I... I like the idea that, like, Grogu's story, Baby Yoda, his story's over. Or, eh, I wouldn't say over, but the story that we need to see is over. Like he, This chapter of it. Yeah, this chapter's over. If they really wanted to, they could make a show about Grogu being trained by uh, Luke, but I, I, for one, don't really want to see that. Um, maybe there are people out there that want that. I don't. I want to see what Mando does moving forward and where his life leads him because now he's like found something more impactful to life than just bounty hunting. But I'm interested to know that if he's going to go back to bounty hunting, if he's going to, you know, take up the dark saber like we don't even know what happened to bo katan in the last episode she got shot a lot i thought and that was then, her friend oh that was her friend that, yeah, that's, he, he, yeah you're right he, he annihilates her she gets annihilated so and, and you never see her get back up yeah you never see her get back up and you never see anyone react to it which that was I, a little weird which i thought was super weird because that other lady is like undyingly devoted to the queen of mandalore or whatever. not anymore he's got the dark saber well yeah he's got the dark saber yeah yeah that's, that's bo-katan def- that's definitely bo-katan okay. but he shoots her in the in her armor i don't know uh, well they never they never address it they never address it so it's open that she might come back right so like the idea that maybe so i guess what i was go- going for is the idea that maybe like mando could take oh if if bo-katan's dead or if she isn't, he could claim the throne of Mandalore or whatever you want to call it because uh, he has the Darksaber. And the whole, like, uh, lore behind the Darksaber is it was it was uh, created by the first Mandalorian that was introduced, inducted into the Jedi, Jedi Order. And then when that person died, it was um, taken into the, the Jedi, like, vault or Jedi Temple which then it was stolen from there and the people that took over Mandalore when the, the galactic order was a thing were like allied with them. And then the other clan that won the Mandalorian civil war over them took it. And they were like, uh, we, we need to find somebody worthy to wield this. And that's how they gave it to Bo-Katan and then she lost in a duel to, I want to say, Darth Maul, because he had it for a while. And that's kind of their backstory. So the idea that like him having it means he can rule Mandalore is kind of cool. Um, and then it would give Bo-Katan, if she's still alive, like a reason to be an antagonist for a further season. And that that could be a cool idea. And also like... I, I would be fine just following Carl Weathers and Gina Carano just, like, being cool. Like, just hanging out. 
Um, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Here, Alex, I'm going to settle settle it with my Yoda bobblehead here. All right. Ready? Ooh. Is Bo-Katan alive? Use the force. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the, uh, the, the Yoda equivalent of ask again later. <laughs> well, that was fucking useless. Wait, wait, actually I can, I can ask my uh, Mace Windu. <laughs> All right. Mace Windu is Bo-Katan alive gonna be motherfucker this party's over <laughs> that's just, she's dead i assume if it that's, that's probably <laughs> I, I i can't believe every option on that doesn't start with motherfucker <laughs> motherfucker this party's over it if Bo-Katan is the villain going up. That's one of the best villain setups that a show has ever done i um, i, I love that idea like the moment that happened and they were like oh you wanted a fight first my thought was what and then my second thought was oh that could be really cool going forward and then she got shot to shit and nobody had a fucking reaction and i was like what the fuck is going on on this show no one cares luke's there i thought i thought maybe the after credit sequence was gonna have something to do with that but no it was fat bib fortuna getting his dick rocked by your favorite boba fett yeah are, are is anyone here excited for the boba fett spinoff show yeah, can we talk about that a little? I, I'm not up to date on what has been announced for future Star Wars so series. So fucking much. Like, <laughs> arguably too much. Um, I'm looking forward to the majority of it, but there is a lot that was up uh, announced. Um, they've announced the Boba Fett. Well, the Boba Fett show was announced after everything else. Because um, yeah. I think it's called the, not the Rise of Boba Fett, the story of Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba um, it's yeah. a nice alliteration. They've announced. Uh, hold on, let me pull this up just so I can be sure. The upcoming shows that they have announced are a, a Star Wars Mandalorian, uh, Star Wars Obi Wan Kenobi, um, Star Wars The Bad Batch, which I believe is a Clone Wars um, uh, squadron, mm-hmm. um, Andor, which I believe is. Is that the, the Cassian stuff? Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Yes. He he's getting his own show. Um Ashoka's getting Ahsoka is getting her own show. Rangers of the New Republic is getting a show. A Rogue Squadron is getting, I think it's a movie. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh there's gonna be I think it's an animated show called The Droid Story. Um and Willow, Indiana Jones, uh, whatever the Acolyte is. I don't know what that is. And Star Wars Visions, which I think is like a mini show like small little vignettes so there's a whole that bunch seems of shit. like a lot i mean they went from one star wars series to five or six i mean that's and, insane and they went from like practically canceling star wars to this like mandalorian itself is responsible for i think single-handedly responsible for the revitalization of star wars in general because yeah after rise of skywalker yeah, granted, Mandalorian came out right before Rise of Skywalker, but like Rise of Skywalker was kind of the nail in the coffin for the movies, at least as of right now. Um, and people hated Last Jedi. I, I enjoyed it, but the majority of people 
the the fan reaction was very negative. People did not like the solo movie. And then it was after that that they had announced the an Obi-Wan project and I think a couple other things. And like um Ryan Johnson had a whole trilogy announced mm-hmm. that has mysteriously disappeared. Uh and the Obi-Wan Kenobi I think it was gonna be a movie got canceled and now it's a TV show. Like mm-hmm. what that was has waffled back and forth like so much. Yeah. Say, Alex? Uh, I was going to say, in comparison to The Rise of Skywalker, The Last Jedi is a fucking masterpiece. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> in comparison to a lot of things, uh, Rise of... Reverse that. Ooh, the yes, Last the, Jedi. The, the Last Jedi... No, The Rise of Skywalker makes a lot of things look like Look masterpiece. like masterpiece. Yeah. I, I would argue that it even makes a... Nope. I can't even say that. Uh, that, that made me hurt inside. I don't know what you were going to say. I was going to say, it, it even makes um uh jurassic world look like a masterpiece but that hurts that hurts i don't don't know about that Uh, i find it interesting the difference in pacing that you're allowed with a show versus a movie right it doesn't have to be rushed they really can take their time to tell the story that they want to tell and each episode doesn't need this huge convoluted plot they're relatively simple in nature it's a Mm -hmm. simple goal he has to go here and do this um, so I, to me, it's no surprise that they're moving into the show realm as opposed to sticking with movies that are always going to have certain formulas that they follow. The shows have no defined length and no defined formula. Um, yeah, I also think they just need to stop making dog shit movies. But I mean, and there definitely is something to be said about the oversaturation of the IP. Um, it. On one hand, I can understand and accept how it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, if you have this this level of, like I said, saturation of something, it's going to dilute the importance of it. It's going to... Like, I remember when the prequel trilogy came out and I was younger, but it felt like a big deal. We're getting more Star Wars. This is kind of it. And like it was, it was a big event thing. And now we're getting movies once a year, twice a yeah. year in some cases, like with the Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, it, it it gets to a point of like fatigue and of I don't want to say creative bankruptcy, but it becomes like a hard. It's hard to. Um, I don't want to say it's hard to keep on caring about it, but it does get draining just with the. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely have uh, like, not even talking about Star Wars. I've I've experienced superhero fatigue. I, I experienced it, I don't know, before Endgame even happened. Be- mm-hmm. bef- like, it was in, like, phase three of Marvel. Uh, does that sound right? I, I experienced superhero fatigue where I was just like, I don't want to hear about another superhero movie. I don't want to see another superhero movie. Holy shit. Like, it was one of those things where I was starved for something like a good superhero movie. And then I got too many of them and I was just like, holy shit, just stop it. That's what uh, I was going to say. It's so funny because like three years prior, like five years yep. prior, it would have been like, I would kill to have all of my favorite characters turned into movies and stuff like that. And like, yep. obviously there's, there's still things that I'm very excited for, like the new Thor and stuff like that. Yep. But like it's getting, they they try to keep that level up for every little thing. And it's like, I just don't care about Black Widow as a character or I don't care about ant-man as a character like i love paul rudd i'm gonna go but like i don't know 
It's, it's a pace that you can't keep up forever, right? Yep. And I mean, for several years, Marvel was maintaining a two or even three movie per year pace within that universe. It's just not sustainable. You can't keep up and the audience will get fatigued. But if you think about how long it's been, Iron Man came out in 2008. Yep. It's 2020. That's a lot of years, a lot to, that they can cram in there. And I think they recognize that audiences have had enough, and that's why they shifted gears into shows on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's 2021. Just want to make that clear. That's right. So you just lied to the audience. How does that make you feel? <laughs> they don't know when we're recording this. Uh, well, it is uh, January 6th, 2021. 9, 9.14 p.m. Oh, um, nice. Saw <laughs> The uh, well, I was gonna say something. Shit, I just lost I'm it. So, I'm sorry, <laughs> I did okay. that to you. <laughs> okay, so I guess getting back to Star Wars, um, yeah, it, it it's very possible that they're going to do the same thing, oversaturate the universe, and I find it interesting that they're trying to thread the needle of fitting these stories into existing timelines. Mm-hmm. Right, The Mandalorian took place between two movies, so there's some space there for them to do what they want to do. Yep. They can't do that forever, or you're going to start to question, well, wait a minute, where was Ahsoka Tano during the original trilogy, if she was in the Clone Wars and then also the Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. Right? Those types of universe-breaking questions just start to come up the more you try to do that. So I prefer them to just kind of move on continue the history further into the future instead of bringing back characters uh two things on that one people are already doing that with ahsoka because people are still trying to figure out where exactly mandalorian takes place along the timeline because i think rebels the the ending of rebels takes place after mandalorian right now and ahsoka was in that so it's like well we know ahsoka has to get to this one point so that's what people think are going to happen in her show and two i one i wholeheartedly agree with you there is you know the the bulk of this this uh the nine uh skywalker saga movies takes place over 60 years which is a pretty long time however like there's we know that there's an old Republic, which takes place uh, generations before anything with Skywalker's start. And we know that there's things that can happen after. I think that one of the things that they are doing specifically with Grogu is I think they are going to be using him to set up stuff, stuff down the future in terms of like another, either not the new Jedi order, but like, I think the next time we see that character will not be in Mandalorian or in, um, anything with this current continuity, I think is going to be like far in the future where he has matured and is now using little laser swords to hop around and, and kill things. I think they are uh, setting Grogu up for another series so for he, in the future. He's going to become Yoda. He's yes. going to be the Yoda of a, of, of a later series. I believe so. Something I, like that. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be upset if that happened, honestly. Me either. I think that'd be cool. It'd be great, but they also have to introduce fresh new characters that have no previous history instead of bringing back somebody else. You know, hey, maybe Mace Windu is still alive. Let's throw him in there. He's would, 500 years old. I would, I would seriously not be shocked if they bring back Mace Windu in some capacity. I would not be happy with it, but like, I agree. Like, they, they need to let the new characters breathe. I think that was uh, 
one of the missteps of the the sequel trilogy is not letting not having faith in the new characters to carry stuff i agree Um, like yeah it just was one of the more rough parts of that i i think one thing like a page that i wish the we've gotten a little off track but i think it still applies to like the mandalorian and the future of the star wars like franchise one a page i wish they would take out of like the star trek book because like the star trek the new timeline star trek series it was very connected to because they had leonard nimoy for the first movie it was very connected and then they were just like hey you're your own timeline do your own thing and so when they when they finally killed off leonard nimoy's character it, it felt like they were just like okay let's be disconnected and then Star Trek Beyond happened, and it was amazing. And I, I was just like, do more of that. Do more original stories with these char- with your characters that you're using. Um, I, I want, I want Star Wars to do that. Like, like I like the idea of like you know you got the Mando. I can never remember the other people's characters. What's um Gina Carano's character's name? Cara Dune or Cara Dune? Cara Dune. Like you got Cara Dune, you got Bill Burr's character, whatever the fuck his name is. Bill Burr. Uh, you got Carl Weathers. Like you got all these great characters. Just so great you know them. all their names. <laughs> use them. Hey, I characters don't need, need to wait. Characters that are great don't need to have remem- memorable names. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't tell you Mando's name. You've said it at least twice, and I don't know it. Din Darajin or something like that. Yeah, who the fuck cares? Uh, you got uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who's not dead, despite his best efforts. <laughs> um, I like, oh, I, I like this. Uh, do you think... So there's a couple other things we haven't really touched on uh, in regards to the plot. So the way that he kind of tried to kill himself i think kind of indicates that there's somebody else that's going to be pulling the strings and i think that they we also still don't know what they were trying to do with baby yoda's blood yeah um there's a couple of theories specifically that this is what is cloning the emperor for um rise of skywalker um i I mean i what else would they need his blood for i I, oh my god emperor clones just keep reminding me how shitty rise of skywalker was okay okay let's pump the brakes mr extended universe that's where i got everything from boba fett because that's where that came from was the extended universe bullshit from the 90s i don't have a problem with emperor clones i have a problem with how it was introduced in rise of skywalker touche Fair don't get That's don't get me wrong one. don't get me wrong emperor the emperor cloning himself is awesome but it didn't make sense in rise of skywalker that movie disappoints me so much the movie was a train wreck um i do like the idea i do like the idea that um like maybe the blood's being used for cloning uh, the emperor. I like the idea that maybe uh, Thrawn is pulling the strings and that's kind of how uh, Ahsoka ties into the story because she has a huge backstory with um, Admiral Thrawn, Grand Admiral, whatever his name I think, is. I think it's Admiral, but I might be wrong. Um, whatever. I mean, I like Star Wars. I'm a simple man. I see Star Wars and I watch it. 
Yeah, so the, it's, it's almost like we have this universe now. It has a pretty strong framework, a pretty long history. And now we just want to see what somebody else can do with it, right? What did right. John Favreau do with it? He made The Mandalorian. It's pretty great. Let's give somebody else a turn and see what they can do with it. I do think that that uh, you, you hit on a good point there in terms of like the creators of this, because I think that a lot of this rides on them, specifically Favreau and Fellini, F- Fellini, F- Fellini, whatever. Uh, um, I have no idea yeah. how to say it. D- Dave Fellini or whatever. Um, Cause he's the person who created Clone Wars and he's the creator of Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano. So yeah. like ha- having somebody like that here who like the fans who love Star Wars are now making Star Wars and like they're handling it with like such a finer care than some other people have in the past. So yeah. I agree. The give, give the keys to Star Wars to some, you know, fresh, excited people who aren't JJ Abrams. And I think it'll turn out great. Yeah. I think we're done. So Peter, um, when we <laughs> first started this, we, you gave us a top five, um, list of the your TV show, our TV shows that you had seen a, a list of that. Uh, our last episode, we did our top five things of 2020 that we enjoyed. Uh, do you have a number one thing for for 2020 that you enjoyed? That's this is how we're getting out of this episode. Number one thing that I did in 2020 that was an experience, somewhat enjoyable, was buying a house. I bought a house. <laughs> That was somewhat enjoyable. I like that that is the statement. Well, uh, well, you've, you've bought a house, right? So you know that not all of it is enjoyable. Absolutely. Part of it is sitting in a room signing papers for about an hour. Yeah, that's the last part. Which, uh, Well, actually, no, the last part is when I die. But uh, moving into it is also an additional part. Yeah, it, it's a fun process, but you're right. There is a, there's a lot of headaches. There's a lot of... Um, I can't imagine what that was like during a pandemic. Like that yeah, must was, have been a whole different level. I was just going to ask that. Like, what was that like during the pandemic? So we managed to get a showing the day before Massachusetts told all real estate companies to stop doing showings. Wow. Um, the day that we met with the finance guy to start talking about loans was the day that I stopped going to work. Wow. So this was, you know, we really lucked out here. We were able to fly under the radar and and get it done. And we can always now say that, yes, we bought a house during the pandemic. Things were a little different. Um, A lot of wearing masks and and things like that. But we we got there and this has been our little headquarters, our hideout during all this crazy stuff when, when everybody else is trapped in their homes. We were trapped in our brand new home and able to do whatever we want in it. And when you buy a new house, that's, that's kind of what you do. You make it your own. So we've had a lot of time to do that. This is going to sound like a weird thing to say, but I'm like weirdly envious of that. Cause that's like awesome. Cause for us, it was like, we bought the house and then we would go to work during the day, come home and sp- take three hours at night, painting a room or preparing a room to be painted, having the full day to just do whatever. You know, we would have gotten so much done. That that must have been a nice experience. It's also like nice to, you know, be in a place that's your own. And yeah, I'll be half disappointed when I do actually have to go back to work. Never actually commuted from this house to work before. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got a whole new commute to learn and who knows what the traffic's like and everything I, like that. 
I have really enjoyed like on Facebook, like every day I see Maddie posting about like what she's worked on around the house. It's been nonstop since March. It's just been like, I worked on this around the house. I worked on this around the house. Like, I feel like she's getting a lot done and you're probably helping, but I feel like she's doing most of it because she's, you know, a doer. I guess if I did anything, then she wasn't proud enough to take a picture of it. <laughs> oh man, that sounds like Tiffany. That, oh, that's not true. We just I just installed a range, and I think she yeah. posted pictures of me doing that. Yeah, so. yeah. I um, I think that she was she was proud of you for once. I'm for I'm once. happy for you. <laughs> that's fair. You know what it was for us, and this is like such a stupid thing. We we were like going really hard with house uh, renovations for the first like little bit, and then the Olympics started, and then we were like, yeah, we just watch the Olympics uh, when we would come home at night instead of do housework, and then uh, that was it. <laughs> how's how's um how's finishing the top floor going? Uh, so this has been an episode of no refund. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's going good. I think we're going to finally get a contractor in this uh, upcoming um, spring. Hopefully, if, if things like that can happen again. I can't wait to see what you guys do with it. We have plans. Uh, I, yeah. I'm sure you do. You've had it for a couple of years now, right? Four. Four years. Four years. Wow. Holy shit, time flies. I know. But anyways, so uh, Peter, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this was... Tons of fun, as usual. Uh, I hope, thank you uh, for talking Star Wars, being our Star Wars ringer. That is uh, what you will be known as from now on. Or the next time we talk about Harry Potter, we'll have you on. Glad to be here. Glad I could join you. Hope I can come back real soon. Hint, hint. Absolutely. We, like, I, we have had so many good guests on. Like, I, I, the list of people that come back is huge, and we would love to have you back. It's just so much fun having you here. Yeah, um, we we have we have plans for having people back on. I mean, I'm not gonna spoil it, but we have plans. Oh, we do. Yes, we what? talked about this. I'm we sure we, we did. I don't. We know. have we have talked about this, and you're an idiot. I completely forget. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this has been an episode of No Refunds. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Um, you can check us out on Facebook and. That's Instagram? really it. Instagram. We have, we, we have Instagram. We have, Tiffany's, Tiffany's been posting on the Instagram more. So there's yeah. that. Um, you can email us at norefundspodcast at gmail.com. Please email your questions, comments, concerns, and uh, recommendations for Alex. Oh um, yeah, don't don't yeah, don't forget about No Refunds Bachelor. Oh yeah, No Refunds Bachelor is coming out. Peter, you haven't heard about this because we haven't dropped the episode, but <laughs> but we're gonna do a No Refunds Bachelor for Alex. Uh, that's coming up in uh, February. Is that all the guests that are coming back, Alex? I don't remember. Um, Oh my God, we should totally do that. uh, So thank you very much for listening and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. So long, folks. It's okay. We'll just be disappointed with that, but that's fine. That was great. That was a fun one. You didn't say bye, Peter. You fuck. <laughs> Is that the, I feel like people are allowed to have their own sign-offs. Everybody says bye. You're, you're, people are absolutely allowed to have their own sign-offs, but um, no, that's really it. There's, I, they're allowed I'll, to. I'll say if I'll say bye.
No, that's really it. There's, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say if I'll say bye right now, and you nope. just end nope. it. So no, no, so that, nope. that that's what it is now. Is now the the ending will be this us just rambling until you <laughs> actually say bye, and then as soon as you say bye in the middle of that sentence, I'm cutting it. I I like that. I think the first guest not to say bye was Alex. He uh, said I, I, he said see ya. He did, but that was because he kind of, he had to dip out. But I yeah. took a buy that he said earlier in the episode and I put it after he says bye. Ooh, nice. So I, I, I manipulated his Ooh, words. Wow. That's... I took when he said bye to Tiffany, I think, and moved that oh, to the very end. That's uh, awesome. But like, I like that now we've had like three guests that didn't say bye. Yeah, they all say like their own little catchphrase. Yeah, they're like, like see ya, catch ya later. Uh, bibbity boobity. Smell your butts. <laughs> Smell your butts. Things like that. Yep. People people say all that stuff. Some I guess. Well, I'll just say bye right now, just in case the episode isn't actually over. Unacceptable. <laughs> I don't know if the episode's over. You never know when it actually starts or stops.